0: Hello and welcome. My name is Andy Fernandez. My name is Michael Fernandez.
1: And this is What Makes It Great. Michael, what are we talking about this week? We are talking about
0: The Jazz Singer, 1927, and this is episode 6, the 6th film we have watched so far.
1: Episode 6. Yes, The Jazz Singer, 1927, is ranked number 90 on the original AFI Top 100 list, and it was removed and is not ranked on the... 10th anniversary update. Really? List.
0: It was removed?
1: Mm, yeah, it's not on the updated list. Perfect. Other ones beat it out. Wow.
0: Um, before we get going too much, mm-hmm. I've just been thinking about this podcast, and I just want to say this is a nice little fun thing you know we're doing. Um, it's kind of like a book club. It is a book club. It's just a little book movie is club it, is we got it, going is on. It's a two-person book club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of ideas to pass back and forth here, but... But Still maybe
1: some of our listeners are watching along with us. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, so maybe it is more than a two-person book club. Maybe it's a three-person book club. Yeah,
0: we may have to get some other people in here to talk about some <laughs> of these films in the uh, future. But, okay, back to the jazz singer. 1927, you said number 90 on the original list? Number 90. And then it fell off. Okay. Yes. Interesting. Which
1: makes sense, because I think they added about 10 to 15 or something, or some new ones from the 10th anniversary list. So uh-huh. you'd make s- it makes sense that they'll bottom 10 or 15 might fall off okay yeah that does make some sense
0: um okay so let's talk about this film let's talk about when and where we watched it
1: yes uh, i rented it online and uh watched it um when did i watch it maybe over the weekend last week i think yeah so i um i watched it last weekend and it was not not terrible (laughs) <laughs> there were parts of it that were very terrible, um, but I'm curious to th- think uh, to hear about where you saw it when you watched it. Well,
0: I'm really curious to hear now when you thought it was terrible. <laughs> well, okay, so I had actually
1: <laughs> seen this movie before.
0: Okay, I've never seen it before. So
1: in high school, I rented this from the public library and watched it. Okay. Uh, I think me and, I, th- I believe, our sister Diana uh-huh. watched it. Um, we were, cause I, we had recently been watching singing in the rain a bunch, and this is a big plot point in the singing in the rain is when the jazz singer gets released. Talkies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot of talk about it and we we're like, Oh, let's, let's go and watch the jazz singer. So we found it at the library. it was on VHS mm-hmm. and we, uh, watched it. Okay. And I remember th- my first thought was like, this is the first movie. It's the first talkie. It's the first movie with talking in it and i remember thinking there's not much talking in this okay um when i first saw it in high school and okay, i was yeah. not impressed at all and thought it was not good uh-huh. i remember watching it when when i first watched it when i was 16 17 whatever it was yeah and um very different experience this time okay good um very different experience this time but um that so that's kind of my my first introduction to the jazz singer was actually through the singing in the rain okay um and then watching it in high school once not liking it and then watching it again this time and i will be sharing my thoughts throughout but curious okay. what
0: how did you watch the movie so yeah i had to rent it on amazon um i rented it like monday i think i rented it on sunday I watched yeah this it. one's
1: the, been the hardest one to find yeah. out of the uh, the early movies. It was it is you can rent it for streaming on Amazon, so it's not hard to find at all. But it was the first one we actually had to spend money on, yeah. Because the other ones were either in the public domain, or if you have a public library account or a university account, you can sign up for a service called Canopy, which is a streaming service. Mm-hmm. Um, and the movies were either in the public domain or on Canopy, yeah. Up until this point, I believe. Yeah.
0: So okay. So I watched this movie on Monday night. I rented it on Amazon um and it was like 4 bucks or something like that and i watched it in one sitting it's like an hour and 30 something minutes long it's like 90 minutes or something mm-hmm. um and i was it was the first time i'd seen it um let me see the you know the only thing i'd really known about it was that it was the first talkie and that there was blackface in it um and so it's like hard to go into a film you know with blackface and not like have some just like right. n- negative bias already for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, I actually enjoyed this movie. I really, I really liked it. And I think maybe it is also in you know what we've been doing. We've been watching these movies every week. Mm-hmm. And so I'm in the mindset. It's not like I was watching Singing in the Rain and then I was you know bored during summer and I went and rented the movie at the library and came home with right. the first silent movie I'd walked or not silent, but almost silent movie that I'd watched in a while I was disappointed. Mm-hmm. This like. I feel like the history that we got from the past five movies and, you know, even in the last movie, whenever we had some sound, I got real excited. I think that seeing that and having that kind of perspective and, Mm -hmm. you know, the historical context, it made the sound that was there very exciting and the talking that was there really cool. But I was still disappointed that there were still titles in this movie.
1: Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I actually share the exact same sentiments is that, Watching it in this way with the lead-up of the movies we had watched and kind of understanding a little bit more of the historical context Uh of this movie made me appreciate it so much more and made me enjoy it so much more. Yes. It's uh, definitely, with the sound and the singing, it seems... Much more modern mm-hmm. than a lot of the other movies that we have watched so far, mm-hmm. um, with maybe the exception of the General or something. Yeah, um, which it, the way that that the action in that movie and the comedy in that movie seems modern at times. Yeah, um, this one uh, with the s- the sound of the technology and the singing, just the pace of it and everything, seemed a lot more of like more um, easily digestible for our kind of tastes. Definitely. Yeah. Okay, so you want to get into a little bit of the background of the movie? Uh, sure. (laughs) Okay. Um, basically, I think what's important to talk about is one of the. I like to talk about the key players and the key some key concepts. So I have one key player and one key concept to talk about with this movie. Uh, The key player is Al Jolson, who is the main actor in the movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was a, a one. He was a popular singer, and at the time of the movie, he was considered to be the most popular um star in america
0: because of this movie or because of other stuff
1: because of other stuff because of his singing his broadway like his okay that kind of stuff uh, this so he was the most he was the biggest star kind of in the country at the time and so uh it was a real big win to kind of have him in this movie he um, was a singer who often performed in blackface so this was kind of his thing that he did um, all the way up through the fifties, he would do this. You guys can't
0: hear it, but I'm giving Andy a very confused and kind of upset look.
1: Yeah. Uh, yes. He's quizzical. His brow is furrowed. Yeah, that's something um, that
0: he actually put on his resume that he's a ah, frequent blackface this uh, is performer. A,
1: yeah, this is a thing that that uh, white blackface performers m- yeah, did often, yeah. um, including. Um, I Love Lucy, the actor that plays Fred, uh, Fred and Ethel, Uh he was a vaudeville singer who performed in Blackface when he was younger, and is actually the first person who sings that Mammy song at the end of the movie. He's the one, that that actor from I Love Lucy is the one that kind of popularized that song. Okay. Um, Anyway, so Al Jolson, he's a Jewish born, he was a Jewish man born in Russia. Um, His father was a cantor. Okay. Um. So, and the jazz singer is loosely based on Al Jolson. Yeah, I was gonna say that's basically the plot of the movie. <laughs> yeah, he okay. is. He is a, a Jewish man. His, fa- he his didn't father. Like, he did cantor in the in the synagogue. Al Jolson didn't have anything
0: to do with writing. Did he? Was he a part of the writing of this film or no? Uh.
1: N- well, the writing of the film. It. The. Uh. It's based on a play. Okay. Um. That was not a musical. Okay. But the play is. Uh. The writer of the play saw Al Jolson perform and then created a play based on Al Jolson's life, loosely based on his life. Okay. Um, he was the inspiration for the play. He did not star in the play. Mm -hmm. Um, it was another man who was originally hired to star in the jazz singer. Okay. Um, but the movie was then turned into a musical to take advantage of the sound recording possibilities. Um, and, He was then fired, and Al Jolson, who was the original inspiration for the story, was hired in his place. Um, Like I said, he was arguably the biggest star in America before the movie came out. Uh, Also, his singing style became very influential uh, for the time. And if you think about specifically in movie musicals, Mm -hmm. um, just this kind of really big... um, because there, so he was a the type of singer who was just a really big, loud singer who big was vibrato.
0: He's got. I'm gonna
1: hit you in the back of the theater. You're gonna be able to hear my voice, kind uh-huh. of a thing. And if you think about like, you know, those big br- movie musicals yeah, where they're like big band, yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of like screaming their sound so even the people in the back can hear. Yeah, um, very influential. He kind of popularized that. The other very version Broadway, is like vulnerable. the crooners, Frank Sinatra, where they're like whispering into the microphone. And yeah and those kinds of things. So um, two completely different styles. Uh, also, after The Jazz Singer was a you know a big hit and everything, he would um, entertain troops during World War II in the Korean War, um, and uh, he exhausted himself so badly dur- while he was entertaining troops during the Korean War um, that he died shortly after returning from a trip overseas entertaining the troops. Um, and uh, obviously, I also wanted to...
0: Wait, 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 wait. He just, he just died? Yeah, did he uh, have, he like, some pneumonia or some, like... It,
1: it was something like that. He had some... I want to say he only had, like, one functioning lung or something. It was, like, kind of intense. Um, but he just... It, the trip was so intense, he was going you know, show after show after show. He was a uh, slightly older by this time. This was in the 50s. Uh-huh. And um, he just physically exhausted himself. Then he died shortly after returning from an overseas trip. How old was he, do you think? Um, I can look that up really quick if you want to yeah. kill some time and talk and yeah, stuff. Yeah, for
0: sure. Uh, just like you know, everything you're saying, and there's so many other movies that we've gone through, I've got a lot of research to do. After the fact, like, these movies make me want to, you know, read more and do more research and everything.
1: He was 64. He was
0: 64? Okay. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's not too old. I mean, back then, you know, life expectancy was probably a lot lower, but still, Mm -hmm. died from exhausting his lungs, died from singing too hard. Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, Also, like I'd mentioned before, he performed in blackface all the way up until the 50s and things like that. I feel
0: like that speaks to this movie, too, and I'll get to that later once we talk about the actual plot and everything.
1: Um, and there's kind of differing, um, scholarly interpretations of his use of blackface. Um, some scholars, and I would say probably most scholars would cite his, cite his performances in blackface as evidence of his racism and just the racism of the time. Um, others actually cite, uh, That he is not racist because he was a very early supporter of a lot of black artists um, and getting them their start on Broadway and getting them start their start as playwrights and as actors and singers and things like that. And for helping to popularize uh, jazz and the blues with white audiences, um, largely through his use of blackface. Um, So how much of this is actually supporting and um, helping to grow a culture and how much of this is co-opting of a culture uh, <laughs> I think is a good debate. Um, I I would err on the side that he probably was racist. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say he's racist. Um, <laughs> blackface is definitely a racist. Yeah, and, no, he's uh, entirely racist. It's hard to defend that. It's Okay,
0: uh, before we like jump into too, too much, like, yeah, no, the way that it's used in this film, I was expecting it to be like early and often or something like that. I was trying to like guess when the blackface was coming because I knew it was coming. And it's not, it's, it's not believed throughout two this musical movie. performances. Yeah, so it's not like it's this movie is like a birth of the nation. It's just completely riddled with racism and blackface and everything like that. No, it's only towards like the very end, two performances. Yeah, like where he's in front of people and he just puts it on casually like it's nothing. And I'm going to go ahead and say, yeah, no, he's racist. It's racist. <laughs> There's also some interesting,
1: I think... Didn't I didn't really
0: add much to the plot. It, it was just kind of like tossed in there. It wasn't explained or anything. It wasn't like a, a yeah big plot device, or it wasn't very integral to the film. It was just like, yeah, he's this great singer, and they keep talking him up as this great singer. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, while he's getting ready here for his big show that he's been doing all these rehearsals for, just mm-hmm. not in costume and everything, dress rehearsal time, oh, yeah, I'm going to put on blackface real quick. like Like, it's casual, like it's nothing. And... I think that's like a cultural appropriation. I think this is, I understand why it's taken off because of that. um, Because I just don't think it was, it wasn't important at all to the film. It was just tossed in there. Like he wanted it in there. Maybe it was accurate to his life, you know, but technically this is a fictional renditioning, I guess, of his life. And, you know, it's not Mm -hmm. like a a biopic or anything.
1: right? I I think for sure. I think that there's one argument that's made that um, is interesting, but ultimately not doesn't hold much water for me is that the whole, the story of the jazz singer is argued as being one of uh, duality of trying to figure out your identity. And some people see at that, that use of blackface as kind of an artistic expression or evidence of this, trying to find your identity and fighting with these dual identities that you have yeah. of trying to be <laughs> Jewish and t- tying with the Jewish culture and being what your parents want you to be. And then trying to make it on your own and trying to be who you want to be. Um, And sing
0: this style of music that is not commonly sung by Jewish men, white men. Right. And
1: again, you can do that without being racist. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He could have put on a he could put on a mustache and possibly
0: uh, justify that. You know, a a hat or something like looked. You know. Right. Or put it done his hair a
1: different way. Yeah. you know, one of a million other things. Yes, but yeah, worn all black and worn in these scenes, and worn all white in these scenes, or yeah. whatever you want to do. It's there's a million million different ways to do it without exactly. this very racist trope. Exactly. Anyway, so that's Al Jolson. Um, the key concept to talk about with this movie is the sound. Yeah. Um. The the way that they recorded this is called uh Vitaphone, Vitaphone. sound on disc system. Yeah. And so, um. We've talked a number about a little bit about the number of reels that movies are. Like Birth of a Nation was, you know, I don't remember what it was. It was like sixteen reels long, and that's how many reels of film the movie was. And you knew it was a long movie. And some movies would be budgeted like this is going to be a eight reeler. This is going to be a two reeler. Whatever it is, Um, this each moment of sound in the movie, which is the you know the musical numbers or the moments of dialogue, were their own separate reel of film that had a separate sound disc for each one. So each time they sing in this movie, it's an entirely different reel of film with a disc that's accompanied with it. And so they'd have to be queued up exactly for the effect to work properly. Um, the projectionists in the, in the theaters that were showing the movies would have to splice together all of these reels of film, some of them you know, normal length and some of them shorter length just that were just the length of that scene that has the sound. Mm-hmm. And they'd have to queue up the sound on disc um, correctly with the correct reel of film for this effect to work. It's um, crazy. It's a very, very intense process. Um, many theaters didn't even have the technology to support it, and the movie was shown as a silent movie in a lot of theaters. Oh. Um, so I think the, the, but the, the ones that did have the technology to showcase it uh, ended up getting a lot more sales and a lot more people going to them. And so it kind of, this movie paved the way for the industry to begin to support this technology more widely. And theaters began to you know, retrofit themselves to be able to showcase this movie and other movies like it. So it's kind of, I don't know, maybe equivalent to something more recent of like Avatar, you know, really pop. It wasn't the first 3D movie. Um, but it really popularized 3D movies, and kind of all these theaters then had to make sure that they installed the correct projectors and had all of those things ready to go to be able to showcase Avatar and other movies that would kind of follow in its footsteps. The Jazz Singer is actually not the first movie with sound, nope, um, but it is the first big popular movie with sound, it's synchronized, yeah, and um, helped pave the way in the technology, the the system kind of the Hollywood system kind of. Sp- changed forever after it
0: yeah um another really cool thing this is a warner brothers film it is which is crazy i didn't know they were around back then <laughs> they've been around for forever and the warner brothers actually made yes. the vitaphone didn't they? that's like their their I think tech So,
1: and like this is the the actual brothers were alive <laughs> yeah this these is were like they're their, there the warner brothers were actual people at this point in yeah. life <laughs> Um, all right, you want to get into the movie? Yes, please. So yeah, we've talked about it's based on his life. Uh, he was, wasn't was originally set to star. I already told you all about that ah, Forget about that stuff. Let's get into the story. Um, so it starts off with this Jewish family
0: in New York, mm-hmm. um, and it's got this little boy, and he's just, uh, I honestly thought it was a little girl at first, <laughs> but it's this little boy in the saloon, and he's singing a song. And uh, then you got this, like, oh, no, it starts off with uh, the cantor singing. Mm-hmm. And it's this uh, cantor in a synagogue, and he's oh, singing some hilarious, stuff, yeah. yeah, like, very operatic, very not really, like, you know, entertaining, exciting music. Yeah, I mean Church music. Church music. It's, yeah, it's boring church music. Yeah. I mean, regardless of your religion, it's boring church music. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, and then it cuts away to this little kid, this little boy who's singing in a saloon, and he's singing more, like, poppy i mean poppy for the times kind of weird music still but um he's singing these fun songs and everybody's you know drinking and you know the guy on the piano is playing the music and everything Mm -hmm. this is after the prohibition too yeah uh it actually might be right during it 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 was weird because this is one of the first films where we see alcohol like like pour, like there's one dude right at the beginning is drinking like a foamy glass of beer mm-hmm. And then there's like a, a wine Some like weird Kribitzer I like that name But we'll talk about that later But this weird guy is like Always around and hanging out He like brings a bottle of wine one night Or like a big jug of homemade wine or something um, but yeah, so it starts off there. So you got this, this these two different songs. This movie in the middle of Prohibition. It did.
1: Prohibition lasted from 1920 to 1933. Wow. This movie came out in 1927. However, this beginning part is when he's a kid. So this is probably pre-Prohibition. Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, he's a kid. And then basically this, uh, the Kribitzer guy, I think he goes to the bar or to the saloon, has the beer and sees the kid, the main character, their protagonist. Uh, what's his name in the movie? Jackie.
1: Jackie. Jackie Rabinowitz.
0: Rabinowitz. Yeah, that's right. Jackie Rabinowitz is on stage uh, performing. He sees that and he goes and runs back home to his dad, the cantor, and his mother. Um, Sweet, sweet Jewish lady.
1: (laughs) Which, by the way, this movie is a love story of a boy and his mother. Basically. It is. No, entirely
0: it is. Yes, it's a boy and his mother, which I love. But, um, yeah, so he... This guy goes back to their house and tells him, hey, you got to go down to the saloon and see what's going on. And he doesn't really tell him that your son's down there singing. Mm -hmm. And then the cantor goes to the saloon and he goes in there and he sees his son on stage and just goes right up and drags him off the stage and drags him out of the saloon, goes to the house. Mm -hmm. And um, it just it kind of happens quick. But he he doesn't beat he like threatens to beat him or something. And with like a belt. And then the mother's being all sweet to the son, like, no, my, my son, like, he's just a boy. And then right before he whips him, the son's like, if you do this, like, I'm going to leave and never come back. And then the mom's like, don't, he's really going to do it. And then he mm-hmm. goes into the room and does it. It's like a little 11-year-old boy runs away from his family.
1: bye, gone forever. So
0: just gone, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts. <laughs> this is the funniest part for the movie for me. It cuts away, you know, after he runs away. And it's Al Jolson who is not a young man. <laughs> no, he
1: looks very old. His <laughs> hair and everything—he, <laughs> receding hairline, guy, thinning
0: hair, like yeah, very like how old? He's got to be in his forties, like at least. I
1: think he was actually in his. I think he was young thirties. Young thirties. is an old man. <laughs> he just
0: looks old. That's right. He died in his fifties. In the twenties. He was
1: born in 86, 1886, So that would have made him fourteen plus twenty seven is. Okay, so he was 41. like He was like forty years old. Yeah.
0: Okay, so he's definitely in his forties, and it's like th- it—the way it transitions from him being an eleven-year-old runaway to this, you know, singer—it's like a couple of years later, and then boom, old-ass man. Ass man. <laughs> yeah. Parents haven't aged at all. They're the same. They look the exact same for the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, okay, so you can take it from there. So he. He's an old man. I yeah, and then an it kind of t- <laughs> it
1: kind of picks up where he's at another nightclub kind of a thing, and uh, not he, in blackface. He gets called up to sing. Right, mm-hmm. that's the big thing, and uh, he sings a song. So then, this is when. It cuts to sound, really. This yeah. is like, this, when he's singing as a kid, it's, it's, not, off, synchronized. it's not synchronized. Yeah, it's really weird. It was weird. off, and so I was like, I don't know if this is just a mistake in uh-huh. the restoration of it, and it really was supposed to be synced
0: up, or it's just whatever. And the cantor, too, when he was singing at the beginning, I don't think that that was very, but the kid, whenever young Jackie was singing, it was definitely off. Right, and so yeah. now,
1: as an adult, this is the first scene that we see where it's synchronized, the sound and his lips are, are in unison. And he sings some song that's kind of slow. Yeah, I don't remember what it is, what it's called or whatever. But uh, yeah, but you know the audience claps, and then you have what a quote that apparently drove audiences crazy and is considered mm. it was uh, the AFI top 100 movie quotes um, of all time. Really? Okay, this is, is cool. included on there. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You ain't heard nothing yet. Wait a minute. I tell you. You ain't heard nothing. And then, he, hear then he tells goodness. the band to play another song, and uh-huh. they play a, a upbeat song where yeah. he's kind of, you know, bum, bum, making a little jazzy. Yeah. piano's bouncing, Put and he's dancing a little, dancing a little bit. and yeah. Um, but that, wait a minute, wait a minute, you ain't heard nothing yet, um, apparently drove audiences so crazy um, <laughs> that they saw him talking <laughs> like that yeah. and just very casually... Um, it was improvised, uh, to my understanding. It's something that he would say during While his he was performing. Okay, was so it wasn't like it was live. the first
0: time they'd ever heard a performer say that, but it was like the first time they'd heard just talking on, t- on screen.
1: That's really what it was. Right. That that sounded so real yeah. and casual yeah. and not like acting. Yeah. Um, and people went nuts and to the point where... That's during that part of the movie in the premiere. (laughs) The Warner Brothers actually weren't able to attend the premiere, but the Warner sister, (laughs) I believe, Dot, yeah, (laughs) the Warner sister (laughs) Dot was uh, was in (laughs) attendance, and she said at that point, that's when she knew that this was going to be a huge, huge hit because everyone reacted, everyone just went crazy at that that's kind of cool and it's the 71st best quote of all time in movies wow. according to the american film Institute. okay
0: that's another list we need to be going through if any of these quotes are coming up on here that's a really cool yeah. little thing we can need to add here um,
1: but just you know obviously how on the nose that quote is you ain't heard nothing yet it's so the double entendre kind of of the thing of yeah. like all right here we go like that you thought that was impressive now see this that I'm talking and now I'm gonna go sing another song it's gonna be even more wild and crazy and upbeat uh-huh. and have a lot more sound and movement going yeah, and on and there was
0: talking in between the songs too I remember he like went to a table or something and like yeah he mm-hmm. went and talked to his more casual conversation that's cool
1: so that is the considered to be kind of like the one of the big scenes of the movie is when he says that line in between those two songs and goes into the next musical performance the only line I recognized was the mammy mammy yeah, at, at the, the end yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is which is so parodied everywhere. Everywhere. I mean, yeah. we used to watch an old Mickey Mouse cartoon where he gets splashed with mud and looks like he's oh in blackface and starts saying mammy. Whoa. Um, wait, wait, which one was that scary? Yeah, it's in the scary tales oh tape that we used God, to it's like a haunted races. house he's like
0: mammy, but also mammy, reference mammy, yeah that's right yeah oh and then God.
1: there's a whole episode of the simpsons that's parodying the jazz singer where crusty the clown thinks is doesn't his dad is a rabbi and uh <laughs> and he doesn't want him to be a comedian one w- doesn't want him to be going to comedy and be a clown uh-huh. and he's like i can't stand a son that of mine that would be a clown a, a jazz singer maybe but not a clown <laughs> or whatever and it's like the whole plot of the episode is the jazz singer and eventually you know they make up at the end yeah but uh That's a good episode of The the Simpsons. Early episode of The Simpsons. Okay, so he does that.
0: Okay, one of the earlier ones. I mean, it makes sense. One of the earlier films. Anyways, back back to to the the story. (laughs) So, yeah, he does the first two songs and has that big line. And then after
1: that, does he meet the girl at that? She's at the performance. And so she's super impressed by the performance and ends up getting him a job. um, I forget what her name is uh her character
0: she's a dancer we don't really know that all we know at this point is that she's a performer of some sort i thought she was another mary singer mary dale mary dale is the character's that's the name. Right.
1: the actress is Mae McAvoy. that's right um yeah and so they get he gets placed on a on a show with her Oh, and, and, he, and he
0: sends a letter back to his mom this is like the little love story with him and his mom he sends a letter back to his mom mm-hmm. uh that the kribitzer guy so there's a lot of fun jewish words <laughs> like yiddish words in this mm-hmm, movie mm-hmm. um and uh, I was like, Shiksa, I had to ask somebody at work, and it's like a non-Jewish woman. Yes. And then, I forget, was, a goy or something. Like it's a non-Jewish boy or something mm. like that. Um But Krubitzer, I had to Google because nobody, none of my Jewish friends knew what that one was. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, like a, it? it's like a a, weird guy who's just like uh, always watching. He's like always on the edges, always watching. He's oh, that's the Krubitzer. He's always like... A, I forget, always around or something. Maybe that's not the per most perfect <laughs> definition. But he's like some like weird... Like
1: like a tattletale? Kind of.
0: Yeah, but like he just calls him that when he's an adult. I think that character has a different name, but I really like that
1: word, so I'm just going to call him the Krubitzer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so he mails a letter to the Krubitzer and he shows it to his, his mom. His,
1: the character's name is Moisha Yudelson. Yeah, yeah <laughs> 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 It's
0: just uh, easier to say Krubitzer. But uh, yeah, so he sends the letter, and the letter's like...
1: Pretty short. Watch it be like, that
0: word be like a curse word. Yeah, <laughs> we no, just I'm just say saying it. This whole shit time, this like really offensive. Sorry if it is
1: bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're claiming ignorance. Yes. We just like the sound <laughs> <laughs> of it. We just like the sound It's <laughs> easier <laughs>
0: than the other name. But um, yeah, so <laughs> the letter cracked me up a little bit too because it was like, like mom and pop, like I'm doing good. Uh, I met a girl named, uh, a wonderful woman named Mary Dale, period. Mm. And they like, doing some work now. I've got money coming in. I'm doing fine or something like mm-hmm. that. And then she's like, looks at him. There's a title and the mother's got like longing eyes kind of and looking all happy and excited. And she looks at the Krizzer and she's like, read me that part about the girl again. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, wonderful woman, Mary Dale. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. oh, he's in love. Like she just, I don't know, she gets super excited for her son. And mm-hmm. anyways, it's a little sweet sentiment, you know, like that starts the, uh, not starts, but continues the, positive relationship of him and his mother. You know, his mother really did not want him to run away and was kind of, uh, not negotiating, but a little bit begging her husband to not hit him with the belt and please don't make him run away kind of thing. He's really never going to come back, this little 11-year-old, you know. (laughs) But
1: Yeah, and uh, one thing I think we forgot to say is that he has changed his name. He's now going by Jack Robin. That's right, yeah. Um, Jackie Rabinowitz does not, I guess... lead to a life of fame yeah Um, so he goes by jack robin that's his stage name um and eventually this the the show becomes a success and um he becomes a success and he gets an opportunity to go to broadway in new york and he gets to go home
0: do we ever see him perform on this tour no, with I don't think Mary so. Mary Dale, he is like standing He's on the side of the curtain while Mary Dale's performing. Mm-hmm. He's kind of in love with her a little bit. I don't think so. We see you know?
1: we we. I don't believe so. We see him rehearsing.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, I know but that no singing,
1: but I don't know if we ever see an actual performance. So of So it's his mostly for that titles
0: show. after those two songs where he says that line. It's mostly titles mm-hmm. for a little while.
1: He does sing a song in, in uh, blackface later on, but I believe it's for the dress rehearsal of the next show. Uh-huh. Um, I, I forget. So basically, he gets <clears throat> excuse me he gets to go to New York, um, and he's like, "Yeah, I get to go back home and see my mommy." And, yeah, and uh, he goes home and and uh, he sees his mom and he sings her a couple of songs.
0: Blue skies. Frank Sinatra, Willie Nelson. He sings "Blue Skies" at one point.
1: Smiling at me, yeah. nothing but Bloomberg.
0: I got really excited when I heard that. I was like, "Sweet music, I know." Yeah. And I feel like there was a, oh, there was another part in this movie that was very strange. It might have been there's a conflict in this movie. Oh my gosh, it's it's right around this time when he goes back to New York. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So let's get back to the story. So he goes back to New York, mm-hmm. sings the songs for his mom, "Blue Skies," and then his dad comes in. And his dad's ups- like, what are you doing here?
1: Oh, he, the dad comes in. He goes, N- stop. Stop that music. And it's his voice. It's, it's his voice. It's like, his dial- the dialogue. He yells, stop, when he's singing. And the sound comes to a halt. And that goes back to the silent portion. And, and then they play the most inappropriate song like
0: matching ever. I don't know if this is the first time this song has been used in a movie. But it is one of the most commonly used songs in commercials, and TV, and film. It no, it's the like love song whenever two people meet and they look eyes at each
1: other and they kiss. Yeah, yeah but it's during a fight. It's during a You're fight. Right. He didn't fight I with remember his dad.
0: I, that too. I like laughed out loud. I was like, what an inappropriate song choice. But like, I was also like, is this the first place that they used it? Because... Yeah, every other place after this is all lovey dovey. Yeah, it <laughs>
1: obviously does not have the k- same connotation at that time that it does yeah. now. Where it's yeah, this is only for when people are like kissing in a field of daisies and stuff. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So that was that was strange and that stuck out to me. And then, yeah, they have weird fights and like with his dad the whole time is like, "Don't sing that music. That's not church music. We are a family of cantors for many generations. Like yeah. your voices for God only. Like mm-hmm. stop
1: singing this." blue skies nonsense. About. That's the thing. It's like all of these songs... The, the reason why his dad is so angry at this is that um, in his culture and his family that you're singing is a gift, but it's supposed to be singing for God. And yeah. so all of these things are blasphemous or all of these songs that he likes to sing are you know sacrilege or things like that so mm-hmm. it provides and uh, the uh, on top of that i think he says like five generations of Rabinowitzes or mm-hmm. whatever have been cantors and He's like, you're oh, supposed to be one and now you're kind of bringing shame to us by performing this i'm a robin now dad sorry right <laughs> not rabinowitz yeah so that didn't go well for no. jackie boy um he goes back to the show and basically, and this I believe is when he puts on blackface for the first time and does this yeah. dress rehearsal where he sings some song about, I don't remember what. Yeah. Um, something about his mom. Probably.
0: Oh, it was the west. the sun rises in the, uh, the east and it sets the in the west, west and I know where it shines the best and it's right on my mom. mom. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> like, You're know, you 40, I think. Yeah, <laughs> know, I'm a 40 year old man and my dad still hates me but I love my mom.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like kiss her on the mouth awkwardly oh he uh, does that
0: multiple times yeah. Yeah, yeah
1: tell you what mommy i'm gonna i'm gonna buy you a house mommy and all these kinds of like it's i guess it was sweet at the time and now whenever i was watching it in 2020 it was just like mm, okay when does this turn into psycho yeah a gr- Where grew is, up, dude, is this yeah. norman bates here yeah.
0: <laughs> a little obsessive
1: here yeah, yeah. Um, so he performs there, and then um, basically it continues. This uh, he learns that his dad is sick, and there's like a big. I forget what the
0: um, the Jewish holiday is. I it's think it's Yom Kippur. Um, no, but, but it's like so it's like atonement or something like that. <laughs> like oh, a, the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's like the big day that's coming up where the cantor needs to be there to sing these this uh, sacred these hymns song. or the sacred song. It's called uh, Kol Nidir. Right. B- Nidre. Cold yeah. Nidre.
1: Yeah. I don't know. If, I think that's how it's pronounced. Yeah. I'm not sure, though.
0: And he, like, gets sick and then starts this chain like of on events. on his deathbed, kind of sick. Yeah. And then starts a chain of events of, like, the krubitzer and the mom. Like, one first, the krubitzer goes to try to convince um, Jack to leave the Broadway thing and sing at the Day of Atonement, which I was, like this guy is just a selfish little jerk. He's like, hey man, the synagogue really needs a singer and you are so good and uh, you're here and- you uh, he Italian? Uh, <laughs> yeah, basically. But he's like, uh, your dad is a die and then the pizza pie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Super he's, Mario. Yeah, yeah he's uh, just like trying to negotiate with him and trying to get him to like do what is, it's, he's just selfishly trying to like convince him to not even go see his dying dad. Like don't even do that. He's like, no, we need you to sing. Like because your dad can't like forget you know, all the personal stuff that you're probably gonna have to go through with you know the death of a parent but uh, we need you to sing like really bad at this day you, you know? know what you
1: just remind me of what? um one of the very first parodies of the jazz singer is something that you will recognize it's an old tex avery cartoon i want to sing a about the moon yep. and the juna and the springer yeah i want to sing a. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, he's like, go on and sing uh, about the moon end. Yeah. Yeah. That's the jo- story of the jazz singer, too. That is. Um, and yeah. it's based on that, too. But all this time, he's like, he needs to sing. He needs to go on and sing. That just, like, I want to sing. Uh. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. But anyway, so he's, like, torn between. Now, this is really where the conflict of the movie and, like, the central idea of the movie really comes to take full force and full, I guess, it like, yep blossoms
1: <laughs> right because what does the day of atonement fall on but the premiere of his new broadway show exactly. so he has to pick one or the other to uh-huh. go to is he going to fulfill his family's dreams of uh-huh. him or is he going to pr- fulfill his own personal career dreams?
0: goals and his personal dreams and he has this moment with mary doyle or mary dale dale that mm-hmm. and uh she's like just talking to him he's like is anything more important than your career and he like looks at her and he's like
1: no Yeah, he's pretty decided that he's going to go for his career. He's been working on this for his whole life. His family, his father has rejected him twice. He's He's going to do this. And
0: he tells me, he's like, God gave me this voice. Like, this is what, this is where I am right now. Like, I wouldn't be doing this if God didn't want me to do this. Like, this is how I'm going to use it. like, makes
1: sense, you know? Like, good for him. Good Mm -hmm. for him
0: going for his career. Then his mom shows back up with the Krubitzer at the... Like the dress rehearsal, mm-hmm. right. and she
1: sees him performing, and is like this is where he's not my boy anymore. He's the world's boy now, yeah, because yeah. mm-hmm. she saw his talent and yeah. his love and his performance. Uh,
0: but I think she goes back and tells his dying dad on the deathbed there that like he's not our boy anymore, and mm-hmm. then then Jack comes back and talks to his
1: dad for a second, I think. While he's on his deathbed, I believe so, yeah.
0: And then his dad's not dead yet, but then Jack somehow, he decides to, I forget how they negotiate it, but there's some like Mary and then the show producer or whatever, they come to his parents' house where he is and his dad's like on his deathbed in the mm-hmm. next room and they somehow come to an agreement.
1: Well, Jack, he can't decide and he says like, you know, he's having, You do I, what do I do? He doesn't know and... And he's like, I haven't even sung this Kol Nidra song since I was uh, young. and I don't even know the words. Yeah. Uh, yeah and, and the producer is like, you're a jazz singer at heart. You're not this or whatever. And uh, so he's, we don't even see his decision, he, in what he makes. Yeah. Um, But we do c- cut to opening night of the show on Broadway. The audience is there. It's a packed house. Everyone's excited. And the producer comes out and says that there's not going to be a performance that night. Yeah and um and then it cuts to uh the synagogue and there he is perform in his father's place performing the yeah the, uh, the kol nidra or whatever for the day of atonement at the synagogue and he did sound good i mean uh, regardless mm-hmm. and of and the it song, is him singing it's
0: him singing yeah he's got really good vibrato and um what calls it's the krupitzers like just like his father His he's got Tears in his voice, or something like that. He's got crying in his voice, or something like that. Um, and this is the part when his dad dies. His right? dad dies. His and dad's like, "That's y- our son's back. Like mm-hmm. everything's
1: good." And, and then, then you then see him superimposed over um, in the synagogue over his over the jazz singer's performance. Yeah, in the Yeah, like singing with him or something. Singing like with that. him. Or s- yeah, uh, they
0: made up before. Jack said he would do it or something like that, mm-hmm. and they like kind of made up. And even though he like just disowned his son multiple times for so many years they just didn't talk or anything we're just supposed to believe that everything's cool and that jack's all right and he's fine with that and everything like happy with how him and his father's relationship ended when i bet you in like one year's time he'll be like man that was fucked up my dad sucked <laughs> 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 but, well
1: he got him he sang the song i don't know what happens song. after that though because uh with the church or with the synagogue at least because uh Next thing we see, we jump forward and there's another Broadway show opening starring Jack Robin. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, there he is in blackface singing Mammy. To his mom. His mom's in the audience for this
0: one? Yes. Yeah, and he's singing Mammy. Mammy, I love you. I forget what the song is, but he's like, Mammy, there's nobody better than Mammy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's... It's a pretty, pretty iconic scene.
1: <laughs> and yeah, and that's the I other big scene of the movie way. that everyone kind of knows from the Maybe. quote that we talked about earlier I'm and then I'm him singing it. My Man oh at the, end of the, at the end of the movie in blackface. And Maybe. curtains, that is the end Don't of you know The it. Jazz Singer. Yeah. We walked you through it all the way. And uh, so the movie comes out. It gets positive reviews. Some even uh, those reviews recognize that it's going to change the industry forever. Yeah. Um, the crowds, like I said, went nuts during the premiere of it yeah. and whenever they would perform it and they would see the sound version. I don't even know how the silent version of this movie goes. It's so dependent on the sound. It's so dependent on the sound. Um, uh, it won an Academy Award at the first Oscars. We've already talked about um, the first Academy Award ceremony where Sunrise won one of the two Best Picture um, awards that year this one won the other um, one or no no, a movie called wings won the other okay, one this one right. won an a- honorary academy award um, it was actually disqualified from competing in the best picture categories because as the they sound. thought it would be unfair because of sound because of the sound so it was nominated for best writing uh, for an adapted screenplay okay i uh, did not win yeah <laughs> but uh yeah like i said it did get an honorary academy award and it did change the industry forever yeah um and apparently very similarly to how it's portrayed in Singing in the Rain. Yeah. If you've seen that movie, which luckily we will get to discuss in time. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it just, everyone just kind of had to stop what they were doing and switch paths. And all right, this is what we're doing now. This is what movies are. Yeah. That's um, pretty cool.
0: Yeah. From like a I don't know, technological, like historical movie tech aspect, this is a really cool movie to watch just because the first talkie, like that's got some. Yeah, it's very novel, like this is novel technology of mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. Um but like I said at the beginning, blackface was entirely unnecessary. Um, yes. So I'm for it being taken off of the list <laughs> whenever it was redone mm-hmm. for that reason, but I really I think that it's a a cool piece of film history. Um the racism's not overt and it's not being thrown in your face. It's not trying to convince you that it's right. Like birth of a nation. Yeah. <laughs> so I like think I'm there's
1: a difference. I mean, it's obvious that the blackface is racist and, um, b- but at least unlike birth of a nation, it's not a white person that's playing a black person for the entirety of the film. Uh-huh. It is in two isolated sequences, mm-hmm. which makes it somewhat more palatable. Yeah. That like, we still know that he's a white person. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It makes it's it
0: somewhat more palatable. It makes it now, watching it in 2020, it makes it somewhat more like I don't want to say historically accurate because I, it's just that's a st- sad and stupid part of history. Yeah. But like in for a film made in 1927 and it has it in there, like you know, I mean, I don't know how many films in 1927 didn't have it in there, or like how you know, prominent blackface minstrelsy was back then, but. Yeah, it didn't need it, but it wasn't like the worst thing in the world. hmm It was it's it's pretty bad though. Let's yeah. let's No, don't wanna underscore that. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, it was bad. But um so as we're coming to the end here, what makes this movie great? I mean sound. Sound made it great. Yeah. The songs were great. I
0: you know, I didn't like all of the songs. I thought his singing style was kind of ridiculous, but um no, yeah, I was it I can see the seed planted for the future of film. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this film I, I mean th- from this movie And I think that it's uh, I think it was great I enjoyed it Um, The movies from now on Are going to get So much easier to watch That's like really What I'm really yeah. excited about Like I can sit I'm down And watch these too. And like You know, I can, I listen so much better than I, you know, read and sitting there trying to read these titles. Also, another thing to talk about this movie had the fastest titles. Yeah. I feel like it has a lot of titles. It has a lot of titles, but they were really quick. I feel like they were almost just, they were done with titles. Like, damn it, I got to keep making these things and putting them on Mm -hmm. so many of these frames. And oh Mm -hmm. my gosh, like, let's just have everybody talk the whole time. Like, wouldn't that be great? Like, that's kind of what I got, and that's kind of where I am right now. Oh, my God, can't we just have talking for the whole movie, please? Yeah. <laughs>
1: I think for me what makes it great, again, is the popularization of the use of the sound in movies, uh-huh. what a huge technological leap forward this is. Yeah. Um, I also actually think there's some intriguing story points in the movie around yeah. Id- identity. And, Definitely. Um, you know, what we talk about there's like the... Like in mental health terms, we talk about differentiation or self-actualization mm-hmm. and things like that and differentiation of self and just kind of like how you grow up and how you, um, you know, differentiate yourself as an individual apart from your family and apart from growing up and things like that. And that's yeah. what the whole plot movie of is the about. movie is about, right? I agree. So it's already more complex than most of them than any of the movies that we've seen up to this point in terms of the story definitely um and in terms of the character definitely Um, so and i think that the sound has a lot to do with that once you open up this whole technology space of being able to have sound and have it have dialogue you're able to have deeper characters you're able to explore things a little bit more deeply than you would without it I agree. And so I think this is the first little glimpse or taste of it that we're getting to see. Like, oh, it's not just a gimmick. It, it enables the story and the characters to go that much deeper. Yeah. And so I think that's what makes it great for me. Um, obviously, yeah. the racism is a big detraction. Big I am also detraction. for removing it from the list. Uh-huh. Um, it, I do think that it's a very interesting from historical cultural standpoint Definitely. about this is a big watershed moment in movie history especially mm-hmm. in american movie history and uh, for that it should be um well regarded
0: yeah i agree i mean unlike birth of a nation i don't recommend that movie to anyone ever right um this one i do i mean if you're you know interested in film history and like this is this is not that bad it's entertaining it's a little
1: easier to stomach than Def- birth of a nation so
0: much easier to stomach and yeah, the story I like that what you were saying about the storytelling. It's definitely Yeah, more psychological. I don't know, maybe it's just the content isn't really applicable today, you know, having this old man in love with his mom and just yeah. you know <laughs> like uh the, the fighting and stuff between his dad. Like I would have you know, hoped that would have played out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, another thing <laughs> I was doing when I was watching this movie. Sorry, I know we're trying to wrap up here, but while I was watching this movie, I was kinda like okay, so how's Blackface coming into this? Like, yeah, was, buckle like, up. I'm ready. Yeah, I'm I was ready like, for this. I'm ready. I was like, oh, so his dad's gonna not want him. He came back and his dad's like, you can't sing that stuff. And he's like, oh, I can't, but me and blackface can he's never gonna know about it i thought he was gonna try to like subvert his dads right you know that, uh, yeah
1: like, and you could with the time frame you could easily seeing that going this kind of movie going that direction yeah but
0: it didn't it just like threw it in at the end like it was what's his face al jolson's own little thing he wanted to do yeah um but no yeah i, I enjoy this movie i think it, it is a good movie
1: um but it shouldn't be on the list anymore i agree so that is The Jazz Singer, and that's been our discussion on The Jazz Singer. Mm. Um, if you're interested in watching along, we like we said, we both rented it from Amazon Prime. You could probably pick it up from uh, your local library or something as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's been The Jazz Singer. Next week we have... We jump into racist. The, something the less racist. Something less racist. <laughs> it's hopefully less racist. Um, it is uh, another war movie. We're watching okay. All Quiet on the Western Front from 1930. It is on the original list. It was ranked number 54, and then it was not ranked on the 10th anniversary Whoa, list. that's a big drop. It is a big drop, but uh, it came out in 1930, so we have left the 20s behind. Thank goodness. Goodbye to the 20s, and watch us next, or listen next week as we enter into the 30s. We're talking about All Quiet on the Western Front. My name is Andy Fernandez.
0: My name is Michael Fernandez. Thank you guys so much for joining us, and we'll see you next week.
1: On What Makes It Great.